right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Ground. Paul Jr. Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here with you on the walkout late into an evening where the Cincinnati Bengals fall in the AFC Championship game to the Kansas City Chiefs 23-20 at Arrowhead Stadium. And the dream season, the one of the greatest runs, I'll say, have been saying, the greatest run of football we've seen in this franchise's history comes to a heartbreaking, disappointing close as the Chiefs celebrate. The confetti comes down. They take shots at the Bengal- at the Cincinnati mayor. <laughs> All while the Bengals have to think about what could have been in a game that they had many opportunities to win and couldn't find ways to do it. And, Jay, this is going to be one of those that lives with these guys for a long time. Until they hoist one. Mm. Until you hoist a Lombardi, it's going to be hard not to look back at this team, this run, this group they had, and specifically this game, and say, man, was that our best shot? Did we watch it slip away? Yeah, I mean, you wonder if that is the case. It's it's definitely going to live with Joseph Osai for a long time. I don't know. So many times when when you say you look back with that regret where you, you, you outplayed him and you made some mistakes and, and you lost the game because of that, and that didn't feel like that. It felt like two really good teams, um, both with their own issues they were dealing with, and I don't know, it, did, it, it just it didn't feel like, the, the Bengals, they played well, but it just goes to show that's what this is. That's that's why winning championships are so hard because you, you play other good teams and any little mistake gets magnified and exploited. And, you know, the, the other guy, the other team's got a Chris Jones over there and the Bengals had no answer for him. And that really was the difference in the game. They did have an answer for him, Jay. He was in street clothes. Yes. Alex Kappa. Right. You know, that was the thing that stood out to me. And it's, you know, you're not going to, you, everybody has injuries. I mean, they had Patrick Mahomes on one leg. Mm. Uh, you know, every everybody has injuries. But they signed Alex Kappa minutes into free agency for today, mm-hmm. for that game, for Chris Jones, so that Chris Jones wouldn't be this year's Aaron Donald. And he right. was. And he was. I mean, five quarterback hits. Three tackles for loss, two sacks, two holding penalties forced, an intentional grounding, and that's not counting every single time that he moved Max Sharping into Joe Burrow's lap for a throw, or Burrow just had to throw the ball down in disgust because there's Chris Jones. He absolutely blew it. This is what we talked about. He's the one guy that could wreck it all, that could wreck the game plan, and I'd have to go back and look, but I, how many of their drives that failed were had a Chris Jones negative play in it? Probably all of them, if you really went back and went through all of them. The, the amazing thing to me, because I went back and looked at this, and the Chiefs had four sacks in the first 18 minutes of the game. There was about 12 and a half minutes left in the second quarter when they got their fourth sack. They didn't get their next sack till there was 44 seconds left in the game, and that was the third down that forced them to punt, which got the long return, 
which led to the OSI penalty and then the game-winning field goal. But it wasn't just the sacks. It was the pressure. And even it kind of reminded me of the Tennessee game because Chris Jones would get back there, and you've seen that so many times where Burrow can make the first guy miss, but there was always a second wave. There was always another guy there where where Burrow couldn't just – make Chris Jones miss like he's done so many times in the past, getting his nameplate ripped off or or making him miss twice on one play in last year's AFC Championship game. And it that, I mean, that might have been the best defensive performance I've seen from a guy in a, in a big game, championship game or Super Bowl. And that's, I mean, that includes Aaron Donald last year. Aaron Donald was terrific, but this was just constant from Chris Jones and, it, it was, I mean, poor Max Sharping, just serviceable guy, starter in the league, but uh, no match for an all-pro like Chris Jones. And it wasn't just him. Like, they moved him around yeah. to keep him off balance. I mean, he took it to Volson. He took it to Karius, I mean, trying to double-team up on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the last one um, is is coming. They moved him to the edge, and he beat a Denigy. He said, I'll take any of y'all on. <laughs> Anybody that wants some, I'm coming to give it to you. And, and he did. Um you know, and and the other part of the, here's the thing though, you can talk about Chris Jones and and all of this, and we can talk about Joseph Osai and Lord knows everybody will, and we can talk about officiating and we know everybody will and be talking about things like what we have a pool report on and and you know a missed block in the back on the punt return and mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff and and that's all fine and good. Here's the bottom line of it for me though, Jay. If I told you, or if I asked Zach Taylor. On the bus ride over to the stadium today, I'll give you the ball in a tie game with two minutes left, and Joe Burrow has it. And you don't think he wouldn't take that 10 out of 10 times? Sign me up. Ball game. Joe Burrow, two-minute drill, win the game. And and they couldn't. And and I'm not not putting this on Burrow um, necessarily. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but... You had not just that drive. They get the ball with nine minutes left, um, and it ends up in the T. Higgins interception arm punt thing. Uh, but you have you have both of these drives in the fourth quarter with chances to take the lead mm-hmm. of a tie game and couldn't do it. And this is on top of last year in the Super Bowl, the first time all year, they went five consecutive drives without points was the last five drives yeah. of their season in the Super Bowl. They all were ones where they had chances to go take the game over, go win the game. Joe Burrow is one of the most clutch human beings I've ever seen play the sport. He is the reason this team was even possibly in this game. This is not me taking shots at Joe Burrow at all. This is this offense again had opportunities to finish the game, and they couldn't finish the game. They mm. couldn't put it away. It was one of those little cracks we'd been talking about over the last couple of months. What they needed the one last drive to finish, and they couldn't do it. And that's and I think that's what makes you feel like you let one slip away. You had your matchup. You had your guy with the ball. Yeah. Your guy with the ball needing just a field goal and weren't able to get it done. That's incredibly frustrating when you know the team that you had and the chance that you would have had going to Arizona to win a Super Bowl. I do think it affected the way they uh, they uh, 
approach that final drive because, yeah, Joe Burrow with the ball tie game, but they start at their own six-yard line. And you have to be concerned about not uh, about a three and out, giving the ball back to Mahomes. And it looked like they might do that. Their, their third play is third and 16, and he finds Hayden Hurst for the first down. And you're thinking, oh, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the Joe Burrow magic. He's going to go right down. And then they uh, a two-yard pass, pass to Hurst, an incomplete pass. And then Chris Jones again with that sack with 44 seconds left. They have to punt. Drew Christman, nice punt, 54 yards, but low and right down the middle of the field. And Sky Moore takes it back 29 yards. And it just that's what I was, that's what I was talking about before, where there weren't any horrible glaring gaffes outside of the OSI penalty, but it was just enough little things that went wrong where when you're playing an elite team in a huge game, that they're hard to overcome. And I'll go back to the first half. Um you know, we talked a lot about the mismatches in the, the Chiefs' red zone defense not yeah. being very good and how good Burrow has been, not just in the red zone, but in these high leverage moments, third downs in the red zone. And they get down there, and the first drive, they end up in a third down, and he throws a great ball to Hayden Hurst. But it was a, would have been a tough catch, but again, it was there, and, and Hurst couldn't bring it in you settle for a chip shot field goal then you know you drive down right before halftime an incredible two-minute drive a big momentum swing when you're down 13 to three uh and you end up with two shots at the end zone one hurried as you were running back out there after higgins had caught the jump ball up there and you can't complete it and then you have one play with time to get it ready and be ready to go, and you just, it, it wasn't good enough. And then you have four seconds on the clock, and you have to kick the field goal to get the points. So another chip shot, another red zone possession that doesn't get you seven. I mean, those are the, those are the plays that get you beat too. Um, the interesting thing about that was they ran the play with eight seconds, the incompletion on second down. And it ended up the play, it was, the play clock was at four seconds afterwards, and Zach Taylor said if it would have been at five, we would have taken one more shot. One tick. Yeah. If it would have been at five. And on that drive, they had a third down and short that it was questionable whether it should have been short. It looked like a bad spot. Yes, the Uh, P-Rhine. The P-Rhine has to convert it, and then they call timeout. There's a couple of aspects of that. One, that's a New York review in under two minutes, so they should have been reviewing that spot. That was clearly one that they needed to be looking at. They didn't. They placed it there. You know, Zach Taylor has to just go forward and run a play like he's on, trying to go. And so he runs it quick, gets it, but then immediately calls timeout. It was coming out of a time. He had called a timeout on the third down, mm-hmm. right? So you had all that time. Isn't, isn't that the two plays in the huddle like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to run it, or we're going to do whatever we're going to do, and then a second play in the huddle. But rather than calling a timeout again and wasting another timeout there, yeah, you you get a quicker play out there when you know you're just running and getting up and going again when you don't have guys running on the field or whatever, and then you save that timeout in your back pocket and you can and you wouldn't have run out of time. You could have gotten an extra shot at it. Hindsight's twenty twenty on some of this stuff. I know you're just trying to get down there, but that felt like in the moment, I remember saying that feels like a miscue to just burn that last time out right there. 
Yeah, the thing about the two plays in the huddle is it was probably two short yardage plays where if the third and one failed, then you've got a, a, a short yardage fourth and one. And so when, once they got the first down with the mix and run, which they had to do, you, you would like to see them take a better shot there. And if P. Ryan's play would have been spotted correctly, they would have had first and ten. The other interesting I thought thing I thought, and really ironic, it was the complete opposite end of the field. But if I remember right, Eli Apple tackle on Tyreek Hill last year, right before halftime, four seconds on the clock. Yeah, and they ran that play, and they had didn't have timeouts. Mm-hmm. Eli got him down, and it ran out. I just just saw that as ironic that same you know opposite end of the field, four seconds left. Zach maybe learned from last year's mm-hmm. uh, situation where yeah, four is pushing it. You need to have five to take two shots, and it was. It goes back to the, what you're talking about, the first trip into the red zone. It was Chris Jones again. He showed up again. It was uh, first first and goal, I believe. And it was a three-yard loss. Chris Jones breaks through, tackles Mixon for a three-yard loss on first down. And then you're behind the chains. And that was, that was the first drive down there where they had to settle for a field goal. And then the one before half, they had to because they ran out of time. And, you know, you punch either one of those in, and this game looks different. Right, and and that's just it. And you know, we'll spend time talking about the last play that happened. But so, I mean, any of these plays in the first half, I mean, four point swings. Again, we talk about those all the time. The high leverage plays that Burrow's been so good at, better than anybody in the NFL all year. Those high leverage plays tonight, you know, didn't really turn out very well. At least the most of them didn't, and some of the big ones didn't. Not in the first half, where they really struggled to get going. I mean, they they quickly learned early. It was man, it was reminiscent of all those early season games where, yeah. you know, whether it's tur- turnovers. I mean, Burrow had a turnover worthy play early on that could have been an interception that wasn't Trent McDuffie, and then actually has the interception on the ball miscommunication with Higgins, which was a weird, very weird situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was sacks, it was turnovers. It was like, man, this it was so reminiscent of that. And they eventually got their footing a little bit more until the very end they couldn't finish it off. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What strikes me is, and we were talking about this on the on the drive here after the game, was, you know, you just, it's amazing how the narratives change and legacies change and views change based on, like, just one or two things. And I always say, to the winners go the narratives, right? I mean, that's how everything changes. But, man, one small thing goes the other way or that drive gets completed 
um, and they go down, and you're talking about Burrow's legacy. You're talking about the fourth and six to chase deep ball against two dudes where he goes. That's a le- becomes a legendary play in Bengals history. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins levitating. This defense <laughs> doing it again. Fourth quarter, no touchdowns allowed. Again, it's four straight games without a fourth quarter touchdown for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Shutting it down and giving their offense the ball back with chances to win the game. You're, you're talking about all of that stuff. Instead, you know, it's going to be more about the great Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and some of the problems that the Bengals had and this, that, and the other. And it's that's the way it goes, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's how that's how these games go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a coin flip type of game, and it came down to the end. But it, you know, you you look at it, you you see the Chiefs won the game, and it just feels like the the narrative, as you said, the the lasting legacy of this game will be the Chiefs were the better team, and they took it to them, and they beat them on their home field, and it's it's not. It's there were so many plays that could have gone either way that that would have flipped this, and even just the simple one of, of Osai. I mean, just a really, really bad decision to to hit Mahomes that far out of bounds. You don't see that in this league very often. I mean, guys have pretty good discipline. They get close to that sideline. Maybe they'll be uh, half of a shoe over the line. They might put a hit on someone. But young guy, you know, major leverage situation where you're just trying to get off the field and force overtime. And I get—I don't know if it was emotions or adrenaline, but whatever it was, got the best of him, and it was—it was a no-brainer call. It was an obvious, yeah. obvious 15-yard penalty. Yeah, that's the hard part—is that it's so clearly, you know, and out of character. I mean, it's just not yeah. this team. This team hasn't had those types of, um, you know, m- mental air play uh, hardly at all. They've been such a smart team. Um, and, and that it just wasn't, uh, let's talk about a couple of the plays and some of the stuff from after the game. Um, so let's, let's go to the, you know, this didn't end up being a massive turning point, but it certainly could have Yes. the third and nine. Well, however many third downs they had to stop, um, <laughs> when they got the extra down essentially where I'm still a little confused on what exactly has happened. Uh, other than it, it was announced by Ron Torbert to start the play clock and the game clock on his whistle. Yeah, that's what he said, and he did. And then the play happens, which they it is the blitz where they stopped him short to force mm-hmm. a punt, and he says, "No, that play didn't happen," because someone runs in at the end saying. I, I don't. It was hard to tell what was going on. It was confusing in the mm-hmm. moment, and still is kind of confusing. Here's the pool report asking to explain what ha- happened. Torbert says on the previous play there was an incomplete pass. We spotted the ball, but the line judge came in and respotted the ball because the spot was off. We reset the play clock, and the game clock started running. It should not have started running because there was an incomplete pass on the previous play. The field judge noticed the game clock was running. He was coming in to shut the play down so that we could get the clock fixed, but nobody heard him, and the play was run. After the play was over, he came in, and we discussed that he was trying to shut the play down before the ball had been snapped, so we reset the game clock back to where it was before that snap and replayed third down. Basically, we just foobarred this thing. Yeah. Like, we, we, we screwed this whole thing up. We don't know what we're doing. 
and we have no way to fix it. It sounds like what he's saying. But he said, run the play in the the game clock. Yes. So at that point, like, if he's saying that, then he should have known that the game clock, I, I don't know. I didn't see the game clock, if it was running early or not. It all... It was. They, they ran the game because he said, on my signal, start them both. And he, because when they respotted the ball, um, they, there was 10 seconds on the play clock and then however many were on the game clock. And it did. It, it started running the way he instructed the clock operator to do it. You can't see on the TV copy, you can't see the field judge whether he's coming in or not. You see at the end of the play, he comes trotting in to say something to Torbert. But if you're going to blow a play dead, and you see this all the time where... Uh, if if it's a um, unabated to the quarterback, or if if there's a timeout call before a field goal, I mean they jump in right away and they're waving their arms and blowing the whistle and trying to kill the play before anything happens. And that did not happen. There was no whistle. There was nobody running with their arms waving, saying stop, stop, stop. They just let the play run out. And every play, every guy I asked said. They definitely they did not hear any kind of whistle, and it did because the, then the Chiefs get a first down on the do over, and but then the Bengals they don't get another one. So all it cost the Bengals basically was a minute and fifteen seconds, um, but it was a bad look for the league. It, it was it was poorly administrated by Ron Torbert. Yeah, he, he should have known if, if you're if the whole reason you're. You're re-spotting it is after an incomplete pass. Why would you order the clock to run after an incomplete pass? Right. So that's that's kind of its own its own mess. Yeah. Um, and so after the game, you know, you get a lot of talk from the Chiefs about the talk. About all the talk during the week. And I don't, like, again, like we said, the talk is talk. Burrow sort of said after the game, I mean, stuff that makes football fun. Talk makes it fun. It makes it more interesting. It's great. But all that stuff really resonated. And they have to eat it. You know what I mean? If you're going to talk all that and say say stuff, if things are going to be said, then... The Chiefs are going to, if they win, they're going to stick it to you the same way you would have stuck it to them mm-hmm. for everything that happened and have done it to other people that have done said things all year long. And so, you know, <laughs> Travis Kelsey saying, know your role, you jabroni, to <laughs> the mayor. Uh, and, you know, all the talk. Patrick Mahomes said, yeah, I mean, they're calling it Burrowhead. They're coming after me and talking about how we got to play them. And he goes, and even the mayor's taking shots at me. He's like, I've, he said, I've never seen this team so fired up to go play a game. Now, I think all of that is a distant second, third, fourth to the revenge factor yeah. and getting back to the Super Bowl. We drive around town, hashtag revenge is on billboards mm-hmm. all over the place. Chris Jones talked about how last year's game and not making the plays on Burrow in that game were what had motivated him all year and drove him. If he was in that moment again, he would make the plays, and then he made every single one of them. He played like a man possessed, like a man driven for a year to get back to this moment. The Chiefs played that way too with that clearly salty energy from early on. What effect did all the talk actually have on today's game? 
I would say not a lot. Um, but it doesn't help. And it did feel like it had it had gone over even before the whole mayor thing or whatever. But like it felt like it had already, you know, just gone a touch too far. But whatever, it was fun. I don't I don't think it really makes that big of a difference. It gave the Chiefs something to yell in the post game, but um, just a note on where all that ended up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it carries into next year's game because the Bengals come here to Kansas City next year. And, you know, it, it. we talked about this on our drive here. It very well could be that the Chiefs beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And if that happens, you better believe it's going to be Bengals at Chiefs on that Thursday night season opener. Um, but even if it's not then, if it's a week two, Eagles win the, world, Eagles win the, the Super Bowl, maybe it's the Sunday night game of week one, Bengals-Chiefs. Whenever that game is, I am going to be really interested to see if – the trash talking and the sniping ratchets up, which I don't think will be the case, or if it's kind of put behind them. And I, th- I think both sides have learned the lesson there where you don't want to give bullets, because it was Justin Reed in the first game, and then it was it was the Burrowhead and the mayor and, and all that this game. And you're right, it doesn't... Super Bowl's on the line. I yeah. mean, you're, you're not going to get any right. more motivated. You're not going to get any more locked in to get ready for that game, but it does give you the right to crow a little bit and, and stick it to them after you pull it out. It's a real rivalry, man. Yeah. Like, what, what did Chris Jones say? It's not a rivalry until we win one. Mm-hmm. It's a real rivalry. I mean, now yeah. both these teams have broken each other's hearts on this stage now. Yep. You know, Burrow sort of said, look, we, the, who we are, we were, I've played two, he's played two full seasons, and he's been in the AFC Championship game both years and won one and lost one. Like, we talk all the time when we do stuff through the off season during the year. Build teams that can consistently get you to this spot, and eventually you'll break through and win one. And the Bengals have been close, um, and Burrow's both of his years he's been at this spot. I mean, you know, Brady would make it to this spot every year. Consistently getting to this spot is the is true greatness. These games are coin flip games. This was a coin yeah. flip game. So when we talked about. The value of the number one seed this year, right? Mm-hmm. You only had to play one coin flip game instead of two. Now, the Bengals turned out to not be much of a coin flip game in Buffalo, but it could have been. Mm-hmm. And it, they had to go win two. And that's just harder to do. And you had to do it in their place, in their house, and they hadn't had to go win two mm-hmm. coin flip games. It it makes a difference. And I'm sure the Bengals would hope that next year they could have this game at Paycor Stadium instead of having to come yet again to Arrowhead. Stories for another day. A lot of stuff about what happens next. And the locker room was obviously really emotional. Um, and you could sense it. You know, I have a story that's up now, and it's about, you know, the guys that have been around, veterans that have been around. They know. They know, man. Like, chances like this with the closest team that you've ever been on. I mean, to a man. To a coach, everybody in the locker room, this is as close as any team you've ever been on. You've been building this for multiple years. You have the experience. You're on a 10-game win streak. Everything is set up for you, and you're in the spot right to go win. They know, man. Like It just doesn't – you don't get many opportunities like this to be this set up, and it hurt. I mean, there was tears all over. I mean, guys welling up all over the place Mm -hmm. Um, because they know. You know, Jesse Bates, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. knowing that this is probably his last game with the Bengals. 
and maybe it's Jermaine Pratt's too. That's the other thing I guess we need to talk about. I did skip over that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. So Jermaine Pratt, if you haven't seen the video, comes in um, and is basically yelling at Joseph Osai about, this is my last year. You can go and touch – you don't have to touch the quarterback, FFF, uh, uh, Matt, a lot of anger. I, I think that stuff, I, I don't have as big of a problem with that. While it's not a good look for Jermaine, no. and it's not what anybody wants, I do think that stuff happens in locker rooms probably more often than any of us even realize. Yeah. Stuff like that, especially after a loss. That said, certainly not helping his case, Um and I talked to him after the game, and he said, yeah, I mean, I said, you want to be back? He says, yeah, I want to be back, but, I mean, if they don't want me back, then I don't want to be here. Basically saying, essentially, I don't think they want me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe maybe this was the final straw. And Jesse was the same way, where he, he was resigned to the fact that this was, and he that's why he was emotional, because he was saying the relationships he built on this team. And he even said in relations I, I, be, I built with even some of you in the media, and it was. It was hitting him really hard. The thing with the, the Pratt, you don't see it on the video. I, I don't know where Osai was. I don't even know if he was in earshot. I don't know if Jermaine was just venting and not really addressing Osai specifically. He was just, you know, pissed off and, and saying what he was feeling. Because I did see pictures of, of Cam Sample sitting there consoling uh, Osai after the game. I don't know how long Osai sat on the bench and thought about what he had done. He, he, he could have already been in the locker room by the time Jermaine did that. He could have still been on the field on his way off. You don't – it's not like Jermaine got up in his face and said, you cost us the game. But it was, it was a bad look because it was caught on video. You're right. A lot of times those same things are said and – they're in. They're behind the doors of the locker room, and they're not on video. Yeah, and outside of that, I mean, it was just a lot of guys, you know, struggling with the fact that they didn't think it would end this way. Not mm-hmm. for this team. This team felt like one that was built and good enough, and a kind of a team of destiny. Um, you know, I've kind of used the term of they they they've been inevitable. Where it just felt every game they were inevitably going to find a way to to win it. And it felt like they were again, and then they weren't. And they left pretty stunned by it. Um, Von Bell called them skeletons in his closet. He was, Von Bell was a part of the NFC Championship game with the non-pass interference call for the Super Bowl last year. There's another skeleton in the closet yeah. for a lot of these guys. And I think that's what's kind of hard to deal with in this moment. Um, all right, we'll have much more. Uh, as the week goes on, we're going to be tying a bow around the season and this game and, and starting to look forward to the offseason, of course, now. And what's going to be a very different-looking Bengals team going forward, particularly all these defensive free agents that are up, potential cap casualties that are going to happen, the Burrow contract. Mm. There's a million different things. They're one of the most fascinating teams uh, in the league this offseason. And we'll be here to talk through all of it with you. Uh, so thanks to everybody that has listened throughout this season. It has been awesome. It has been fun uh, to be able to cover it and try to bring it to you guys and everyone that's reached out as we've gone along and saying you're enjoying this or enjoying that. or you know, We even got the email at the beginning of the day that 
the shit the pants streak was alive. Oh, it's been snapped. It was snapped. Then Jeez. it's three year old pooped his pants for the first time in a while <laughs> on the AJ Green jersey and thought, "Wow, they are gonna win it, huh?" <laughs> and the streak was snapped. We've enjoyed all of this dumb stuff that's been going on to make this an enjoyable ride. We were down um, in the Power and Light District on Saturday. It was insane. Thank you to everybody that would come up and say hi or you listen to the podcast. It was so nice to hear and see everybody. Um, Just thank everybody for the interaction this year has made this so much fun. So appreciate everybody um, that's been a part of this show with us. That'll wrap it up. We will uh we will be we will be uh back this week and we'll start talking off season stuff and wrapping the season up. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh have a good one.